What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. Andrew Steinwald is the managing partner of Sifermion, an investment firm focused on the NFT ecosystem. All opinions expressed by Andrew and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Sifermion. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Sifermion or related entities may maintain positions in the assets discussed in this podcast. My guest today is Beck Kim. Beck is a general partner at the Web3 investment firm, Hashed. If you want a crash course on how to operate one of the top investment firms in Web3, then you have to dive into this episode. We chat how they grew Hashed from 700,000 to 4 billion in assets under management, why the best strategy in crypto is buy and hold, building a Web3 venture studio, why they are so excited about Web3 gaming, why being a multifaceted investment fund is the only way to manage the ever-evolving Web3 markets, the inventive ways they add value to their portfolio companies, and so much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Beck. Beck, thank you so much for joining me today. Super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. Um, I started my career as a robotics engineer. Um, I thought myself uh, I'd be uh, uh, in pursuing academia in robotics research, but met wrong friends in school. You know, fell in the, the rabbit hole of startups and crypto, and been you know doing that as my passion. Uh, so did my own startup uh, in junior year of my college, ended up not finishing my master's program and then, you know, started working on Internet protocols and, you know, IoT, robotic stuff. And, you know, I really got interested in, you know, how can we redesign, uh, you know, current Internet infrastructure where, you know, existing systems like HTTP or MQTT protocols didn't really allow for creativity or not much to be changed. And when I stumbled upon uh, uh, blockchain again, you know, I thought this was uh, quite a new opportunity for us to redefine, you know, what is called now Web3. Amazing. Okay, so why, when you were kind of doing all your studies and learning about these different aspects of, of the Internet and robotics and engineering and whatnot, what, what made you initially attracted to crypto? Yeah, um, I, I, I'd be, you know, honestly, you know, I, I didn't really know much about um, industry initially because I was mainly interested as an engineer about, you know, how blockchain allowed new coordination game of different devices to work together for a common goal. Uh, but, you know, through my partner at Hash, you know, Simon and others, you know, they really introduced me into the industry where who are these people building it and why they're building it, why they're passionate about it, really, you know, behind the white papers in like 2016 and 17. And, you know, when I got closer and closer to the community on like, you know, what kind of people are doing, what kind of work, you know, that's when I realized that I want to dedicate my, you know, um, you know, twenties in, uh, this kind of industry, this kind of environment where people are so passionate and people are so passionate about building and there's so much to be built uh, left. And, you know, this is the area that I want to, you know, really contribute and see, you know, how this goes. That's really interesting. Okay. So you said you, you got interested in crypto in 2016, 2017? Yes. Yeah. So I was, uh, at the time it was after my startup, I was working at Amazon as a software engineer uh, in their robotics cloud business. And uh, I was basically studying uh, crypto after work every day uh, and with my roommate uh, who was also working at Microsoft, my college friend, we were both kind of cruising and, you know, just studying crypto as more of a full-time thing. Uh, he ended up joining Solana as a you know, number four engineer. I ended up joining Hash uh, as a starting investor. Wow, that, that, that is incredible. I, I, I can't believe that. All right. So, so like you mentioned that you're interested in redesigning the internet and how it's architected. Why, why, no, why do you have that thought? Like, is there any, like, what's wrong with the current internet? And what does the promise uh, of Web3 hold that you're like, hey, I want to work towards enabling that? Yeah, in, in retrospect, I, I think it was more, not so much about like, what is the problem currently in internet? You know, I didn't really have like a big thesis on like, oh, we need more sovereignty or like we need more, in a, uh, you know, privacy, anything like that. It was more so as a, in a pure, uh, curiosity as an engineer um, building at AWS that, you know, there's not much you can do. <laughs> there's such a legacy system. And, you know, a lot of the engineers work was around optimizing, you know, pipelining new ways to 
you know, have better connectivity with the lower level devices or edge computing. And I thought, you know, that was great. And this has a lot of business cases, but, you know, this wasn't really about, you know, making internet better as a whole. And it was just building many different tweaks on top of it to, you know, make it useful. Uh, and when I saw blockchain, uh, it was completely new way to really, you know, run the web. And, you know, I fell into the rabbit hole. That's so cool. Okay, so so at what year did you join Hashed? And then also, how did you come to know the people at Hashed? Because I feel like, you know, if you're able to join Hashed like early on, that, that is super lucky and super fortunate. But like, did you know them from before or, or how, how did this come to be? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it was mainly through Simon, uh, who is CEO and, you know, partner at Hashed with me. And, you know, I did my own startup before Amazon and, you know, I raised uh, seed funding from angels and the uh you know incubator in korea and through that i was able to connect with many of uh, uh prominent founders and investors in the space in both the us and korea uh so simon one of was one of those founder who was running a math education startup funded by softbank and you know as he was uh you know um selling that business and starting to focus on ethereum full-time you know i remember that this you know, there's this guy uh, that used to do this startup and now doing Ethereum, uh, you know, like angel investing in the Ethereum community that, oh, I should get really connected again. And, you know, that's how it kind of all started. And, you know, he started introducing me to different founders and he was due diligencing and meeting and, you know, joining him in different conferences. And, you know, that really allowed me to learn about this whole space that, uh, you know, this is how, you know, this is the people that are building and you know why this is gonna be great yeah that's super cool okay wait so so hashed did it did it start as like a angel collective with with simon and, and yourself and, and some other people and you guys were just investing to kind of support the ecosystem and grow with it and kind of learn or yeah. from the outset were you like hey we're gonna launch you know the biggest and best fund ever right like, like but what was the yeah where was the initial kind of start of hashed yeah, it was definitely a very humble beginning uh, because we didn't really know how to build a fund, <laughs> to be honest, you know, because like, uh, it was such early days in crypto and all of our partners at Hash, including me, Simon, Ethan and Ryan, none of us came from finance or VC. We were all software engineer background. Uh, we all study CS and, uh, you know, we did our own startups before. Um, and, you know, we just wanted to you know, help other founders succeed in Web3 um, because we are a little bit early in, in, you know, in this phase of different, you know, crypto adoption. And we noticed that there are so many quality founders that are interested, but they're either scared because of so many fraudulent stuff. They're just nervous because this is such a new paradigm or they're, you know, they're, you know, looking for more help um, getting connected to the global market or, you know, token model design. And, you know, we started as a kind of syndicate of angel and then realized quickly that, you know, this is going to be a paradigm shift. And, you know, if that's the case, we need to systemically scale how we help our, our founders under certain brand. And that's when we started thinking about building hash as a, you know, proper fund. Uh, and so we, you know, set up our entity uh, in 2018, early 2018. And initially we started only with 700K and, you know, starting by incubating these projects like Terra and X Infinity and so on. Okay, so uh, could you tell, I mean, and, and you've kind of already described it, but could you just, for the people that, that don't, that might not know, could you describe what is hashed? Yeah, um, we are a crypto native venture fund, been investing in this space for now five years. And, you know, we really focus on, you know, early stage investment by helping founders grow uh, together uh, with us in Web3. And, you know, we focus on two primarily uh, areas. One is decentralized money and second is gaming. Uh, the reason for that is, you know, we are investing our own money into the ecosystem to accelerate the adoption of crypto. And, you know, because crypto is inherently digital, we wanted to initially at least focus on digital economies uh, to see that adoption happen. And we think gaming will be the most interesting and also the biggest economy that we can tap for crypto. That is so cool. Wait, okay. And you guys started with 700K? Like, I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I don't know if it's public, your... Your current yeah. AUM, but could you could you tell us what your current AUM is now? 
Yeah, so we've grown to now over four billion, uh, and this was all mainly through VC investment. We don't have any trading or anything, and been kind of naive in that. You know, our you know partners are not so financially savvy in terms of the capital markets, and we just held all our positions. And you know, thankfully, many of our portfolios have performed very well in terms of creating their own ecosystems. And now there's so many teams building on top of them. That is 700k to 4 billion and all personal capital. That is the most insane return I've ever heard. Easily. That that is incredible. So, all right, tell me about you said you you guys uh, incubate different different web3 startups. You said I think Terra and Axie. Could you describe to me like what how that process came to be? Yeah, for sure. Um you know, it's both kind of quite interesting story. For Tara's case, um, kind of like how you run podcasts, you know, when I was back in college and right after college, I was writing as like a tech writer covering Asian startups uh, in English because I noticed that at the time, you know, the U.S. media wasn't really covering anything about um, early stage Eastern uh, startups. And, you know, I was just cold calling and messaging different founders, building different things. And I noticed the startup called Anify, which was building IoT mesh network, which was very relevant to what I was trying to do in startup. Um, so I reached out on Facebook uh, company page and someone replied and that was Do Kwan. And, you know, he said, oh, why are you interested? You know, you want to, you know, um, discuss more about, you know, what we are doing. And, you know, we started talking over, you know, I think at the time, either Skype or Google <laughs> before Zoom. And, uh, you know, I really liked him uh, because he was very technical because um, I would see a lot of these kind of C-total like founders in Asia. What, what that means is like kind of like a, you know, Asian heritage, but studied in the U.S. and bring back like Amazon to China or like, you know, Amazon of China or like a Spotify of Korea, kind of like that. But he was really doing something genuine, very deep tech. And I like that. And, you know, studying, uh, stayed in touch and, you know, I ended up, you know, dabbling full time into crypto and he was folding Anify and, you know, focusing on more of a crypto aspect and thinking about building decentralized money for e-commerce as a go-to market. And, you know, Simon, uh, my partner at Hash, uh, was very, uh, close friends with Dan Shin, who is a co-founder of Terra and also knew Do through other connections. And I was chatting with Do about, you know, uh, the uh, Terra and you know, we saw that this is like the, you know, probably going to be one of our best, you know, team that we can work together in early stage. So we started working with them. And, you know, since then, you know, we've been biggest supporter in Terra ecosystem, uh, anchoring their eco fund and continuing to reinvest our uh, capital and resources back into early stage founders building on Terra. Um, for Axie's case, uh, in 2018 and 19, we were running uh, uh, kind of like an experimental um, try on like an incubator. Uh, called uh, uh, Hash Labs, focusing on crypto gaming. Uh, and the reason is kind of like how I mentioned before, um, we saw gaming as the big biggest gateway for adoption for crypto. Um, and we didn't really know about, I guess, NFT because it wasn't really a word then. And because um, uh, and then the gaming also, I think it was kind of taboo category in, in terms of investing in crypto because only games that we saw in crypto was like a Tron Bats or like EOS Knights. These kind of like a EOS and Tron ecosystem games that are not sustainable at all and you know throwing tokens inflation at the users to you know seek that engagement happen uh so i think many of the investors were kind of shying away from it because there wasn't really good you know junior team from the outside uh but you know we we tried really hard to just find genuine founders building the space if we don't care if they don't have any momentum or not but we just want to see if there are like good founders trying to build long term and you know xe was you know one of them that we were able to find and you know we became initially as an advisor uh, on their token model so this was before like scholarship manager before slp you know really thinking about how do we build you know, community and, you know, obviously play to earn wasn't really a term. So it was more about understanding Vietnam. So like we went to Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam and I myself uh, live one year in uh, Philippines and kind of tying everything together to really understand, you know, what kind of token model would work for this kind of demographic to be the gateway for, you know, crypto adoption was the goal. Uh, and that kind of led to another, and, you know, we ended up also, you know, working with Sandbox as an advisor and then led their seed round, you know, thinking about building like a, a Minecraft for blockchain and so on. So, you know, everything kind of started very early on as like, a, you know, a founder bet and kind of grew into different ecosystems. That is absolutely amazing. Okay, so I, I can see that your two theses right here 
with decentralized money and gaming. So can you describe, because like decentralized money, obviously major, major use case and, and uh, really compelling on multiple different levels, but gaming, like why, I, I feel like gaming and decentralized money, it's different, especially in like the ethos. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why focus on gaming? Yeah, so um, I think uh, feature of all consumer services and apps will be gamified or become just games. Uh, and I think it's already happening in that when you see these services, you know, there's so many gamification aspects that they incentivize you to do a certain way and to get certain incentive. Or, you know, you play this and you get certain experience from certain consumer apps. And so that mindset and that mechanism design is inherently, you know, part of now our digital experience. And I think games are more of a, you know, um, immersive version of that to really bring you to that kind of world that games design. And I think crypto and Web3 is similar in that, you know, Web3 is a whole new world that people are kind of onboarding right now, you know, learning about different things like DeFi, NFT, you know, um, like fintech apps that use, you know, DeFi in the back end and all that. And, you know, what's cool about it is that Web3 and crypto, you know, makes that incentive and gamification more explicit because there's clear financial, uh, you know, engagement in that experience. And that's exactly why I think gaming is so important for uh, crypto and overall consumer, you know, services experience in that, you know, gaming industry has been doing that for decades now, and they're the experts in doing that. And that's why we wanted to really focus on those talents early on, because, you know, good gaming founders, good gaming services will become more than games, will become like a neobanks, will become financial services and all that. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned that, you know, the way you guys add value, you guys really, really go deep. Could you describe kind of that method of, of being value add investors? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, what we get um, a lot as uh, feedback from our founder is that um, hash is different in that. I, I feel like you guys are kind of our peers and friends because <laughs> I think, you know, we, we try to be very approachable. Um, we chat with founders on daily, weekly basis rather than kind of like a formal structure, like a board meeting or whatever. Um, and, you know, just being the discussion partner along the way and, you know, trying to be very communicative. And through those small conversations, you know, we find different ways to add value and different ways to help them out. Um, and, you know, we really think of Hash as a platform where uh, founders can come and get any kind of resources that they want to do. And that initially started with, you know, our capital investment and our personal advices and, you know, you know, support. But now, you know, we are offering way more in that, especially in, let's say, you know, metaverse and gaming. Uh, what we did was earlier last year, we acquired uh, two gaming studios from public AAA gaming publishers in Korea. And we internalized those gaming talent. And we've grown that uh, subsidiary called Unopen Studio to now around 80 people. Uh, it's mostly engineers and designers in-house. And they're building on top of our portfolio ecosystem to bring interactive experiences, entertainment, and contents for the users and community members to enjoy and you know in engage with other parties. Uh, why this is important, I think, you know, we've seen the growth of our ecosystem mainly driven by financial incentives like yield farming and all those. Uh, but, you know, we still lack that experience of people coming in because they're having fun, people coming in because they're meeting new cool friends. And I, I believe gaming and metaverse experience will, you know, give those users uh, in, in the Web3. Uh, so, you know, that team is building now seven different projects. The first game that we launched on Ethereum was... Uh, uh, League of Kingdoms, which is one of the fastest growing player game on Ethereum right now. Uh, they recently raised from ACNC Crypto and Sequoia. And the second game that we built is uh, Derby Star, which is the first uh, game launching on Terra ecosystem. It's a horse racing game with quite a big uh, community feedback from the Terra side. And there's many more coming. Um, and in addition to that, uh, we have um, 
because we have um, you know 100% control of our capital because you know it's 100% GP fund in our crypto vehicle, we have flexibility to use our cap uh, capital in many different ways to contribute to our founders. And you know we initially started by you know running our own validator, right? You know staking, participating governance, but those are kind of you know, basic things that you must do as an investor, I think now. But we now use those capital to bootstrap some of our DeFi protocol portfolios. So we provide anywhere from 10 to 200 million worth of TVL commitment when they launch or staking so that they have enough buffer uh, on their system to provide smooth, seamless experience that they wanted to deliver to end retail users. Um, another part is, you know, our you know quant finance team initially started by building uh, our own infrastructure to manage our own assets but now that's stable um, they started working a lot with our portfolios on you know designing the DeFi protocol so they you know we have our own engineers within quant team as well and they started designing together and building some of the features together so now we've really grown into where you know, it, we see portfolio is in different stage and they need different things. You know, initially they might need like fundraising help and then advices on, you know, go to market. And then they launch, you know, they need help with like markets, listing and like, uh, you know, market making all that. And then we help them with like actual building and onboarding these, you know, entertainment and experiences. So trying to create this kind of full cycle of, you know, how we can continue to build as a participant rather than as an investor that come early and then wait for the gain for the later. Amazing. Okay. So I have so much to dive into here. So, all right. So, so is unopened, it's called unopened, right? The, the game studio. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so is that, is, is unopened included with this validator slash staking kind of business and also the quant finance team? Are they, these are all separate businesses? Um, so, Unopen is a separate entity that we fully own uh, as a subsidiary. Uh, quant finance team and validator operations is internal to our main fund that we've been doing since a long time ago. So validator we've been running for now three, four years. So we've been running like Terra validator since the Genesis block and same case for many of our other portfolios. Amazing. Okay, so this um, the, 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 the Unopen, the, the game publisher, so you guys are literally launching different games, uh, League of Kingdoms, Derby Star, um, and the idea there is just to create really cool, amazing experiences. Or what, what is what is the long term vision with this with uh, with an uh, unopened? Um, it, it is, you know, uh, malleable as the name says. It's unopened in that you know it, it's a, it started as a very experimental um, try that. You know, we, we have this passion to build because all our partners come from engineering background, founder background, and we notice that we are investing the space with our own money, but we always try to build or try to, you know, give so many opinions and like advices to founder as if we were the founder. And we thought maybe, you know, in some areas that we see lack of, you know, founders showing up to build, you know, uh, uh, you know, tools or, you know, um, you know, uh, playground for people to bring their different NFTs to hang out. We thought rather than waiting for founders to do this on our portfolio ecosystems, why don't we just do it ourselves? And you know, we think we have these talent to do it. And that's how Unopen was started. And you know, it's still only one year old organization where we're we're still trying to figure out. Uh, but main goal is making this uh, sustainable. Um, so that, you know, it has autonomous, you know, vision and also, you know, adding, you know, sustainable amount of value to these uh, portfolio ecosystem. Um, so that's our big focus. Uh, we have, we don't really have like a concrete plan on like fundraising for this one or like how do we like spin off different things. We're still keeping it as quite, you know, flexible, you know, fast moving organization. It has its own CEO. It has its own corp dev arm that figure out and, you know, work with us closely um, to, you know, kind of iterate you know, fast. That's incredible. Okay. So the quant finance team, uh, are these people that are like, I don't know, you know, quantitative financial traders and like, I don't know, like physics majors or whatever, like who, who what, who is on this team and what exactly they're designing? You said like the, the DeFi protocol uh, mechanisms. Is that, could you take me through like uh, an example and also like who this team is actually made up of? Yeah, um, so it's led by uh, Andy, um, who is kind of like a legendary <laughs> trader in Korea where 
uh, it took us three years to persuade him to convert over to hash and crypto. Because, you know, in Korea, they, they uh, kind of list out like a top performing traders or like the hedge fund hats uh, nationally. And, you know, he'd be up there all the time. And we thought we should really hire someone uh, that has been through all the cycles before. Because um, I think in the role of trading or like quants in crypto space, when you hire certain people, there are many cases where they're trying to make it via crypto, uh, you know, fast. And I think, again, with this context too, the sustainability is the main focus of trading, I think, and, you know, quant and uh, asset management. And we wanted to find the talent that has been through all that, has made it already. And, you know, they have nothing else to explore more in traditional finance that crypto is their you know new uh, passion and you know through andy you know we were able to bring many of these senior talents to our team to realize that vision and actually build that system internally um, so these are like you know mit phds from like warcon and like different backgrounds and engineers with you know kind of like a citadel like backgrounds that have built these systems that you know are building internal system like even like small thing as like accounting like you know now we have like 100 plus portfolio like how do you know how much money you lost or gained in one day or certain period and you know risk modeling and on-chain metric analysis macro uh you know market analysis and those you know because you know, myself and other partners coming from more of a founder background, we're always bullish, we're always optimistic, and we're always about, you know, helping our founders. But sometimes, you know, our founders also need some of that kind of pessimistic view and more of a data-driven, you know, uh, feedback on, hey guys, you guys gotta really watch out for this happening. Or as our portfolios grow into like billion plus, uh, you know, market cap projects, you know, they start dealing with many different things that didn't really have to deal with in their early stage of the project. Because many of crypto protocol, you know, founders, you know, they become like billions of network in very short time compared to traditional, you know, tech industry. And, you know, they don't have enough of kind of that ramp up time to be ready for the capital market and all this speculation that happen, ha happens in the market. And we don't need that a lot of our founders start asking for help in those market side more so than like, let's say in technology or capital market, I, I mean, token model, because, you know, those have been, you know, iterated many times before they go public, I would say in terms of listing. So we're just argumenting many different areas that we can, you know, serve our founders better uh, because our initial members at Hash didn't really come from that background to provide that value. Incredible. Okay. So did you guys come to the realization you're like, okay, well, the current model of venture uh, or, or like our earlier model of venture is not very scalable. And so what we're going to do is to provide real value is we're going to add on these different, I guess, business lines in some sense that they're like kind of like many separate businesses in some sense. We're going to add these on in order to really provide true value to our portfolio codes. Was, was that like the, the thought process? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's an interesting problem too in that um, I, I think I'm seeing kind of two kinds of uh, crypto VCs now in the market where one is like super smart, you know, uh, small team, nimble, and, you know, great ad value, very select uh, portfolios. Um, and there's under the spectrum where, you know, you start building different services to help out portfolios. And then it just ends up being endless list of new additions. And, you know, I think we're kind of going through that in a way that, you know, okay, now we have validator, governance, liquidity, you know, gaming, all that what's left you know like and we even thought about you know buying like auditing firm from our balance sheet uh, to add that to our portfolio so that we can um provide that service to our you know founders because like usually auditing and the security are i think biggest bottleneck for innovation in the space because you know oftentimes you go to like 30k or like quantum you have to wait like two three months um to even like schedule something and you know if we can shorten that to like just at least like one month or a few weeks you know that just changed the pace of innovation for our portfolios and that would be a unfair advantage for them in the market among the competitors uh, so those are the way that we are thinking but we're also you know thinking in a way where can we really internalize those talent you know like because like security and like auditing it's really about either your top or nothing right because like no one wants mediocre 
you know, security feedback, right, or auditing. Um, so those are some of the, you know, internal thinking that we're going through uh, as of like, how, what's the boundary of our, you know, services and, you know, what's something that we shouldn't be really touching, even though we want to do it for founders. Very cool. Okay. So, so how do you guys manage this team? I feel like uh, there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces here. It seems like a very large team. So how do you guys operate and how does everything kind of, um, I, I, I suppose, flow? Yeah, it, it is um, chaotic. Um, I, I think everything in crypto is kind of like that. Uh, but our, our first step is really hiring the right talent, uh, trustful talent. Um, you know, it, it's really about how much governance power and trust you can give to these leads of different kind of org or functional teams. Um, because in crypto, as you probably know very well, you know, markets change all the time, you know, price change all the time, uh, you know, industry trends change all the time, priorities change all the time. And one thing that doesn't change in this market is always the founders and the people building. And, you know, we want to build a team that can really withstand all those different fluctuations. Um, and that's why we've been very careful in hiring someone like, for example, like Quant team, we didn't hire anyone until we were able to onboard this guy, Andy, because we knew, you know, that was the only way. And, you know, because we manage our own assets, uh, you know, like basically our team members that manage these have quite, you know, full control almost of our assets. So it requires a lot of trust um, to, you know, give that much governance. So it seems like hiring the right people and just delegating and saying, hey, you know, I trust you. You're very smart. Go, go. This is our objective. Go, go figure it out. Kind of, you know. Um, and I think that uh, in order to scale at the pace that you guys have scaled, I think that's uh, that that is kind of how you do it. Speaking of scaling, go looking forward. I, I know you're talking about like you know maybe an audit firm will acquire mm-hmm. or whatnot. Like, what are mm-hmm. what are the next steps? Like, if you had to kind of project out in the future and just kind of guess guess, uh, how do you think about scaling hashed? Yeah. Um... In, in the past four or five years, we were focused on, you know, scaling our impact, uh, you know, working with the right founder and helping them grow. Um, so it was basically about going like global, global, like just kind of thinking of global as like one, one bucket and try to get there. And I, I think we were successful in, you know, making Hash as global brand, but also making our founders a global, you know, um, like dot leaders. But um, we're noticing that as the industry mature uh, and there's new wave of talent coming into Web3 space from many different avenues and many different geographies, um, there's inevitably uh, you know, uh, you know, areas that we are not covering so well. And I, I think those are examples of especially South Asia and India and a lot of other emerging markets that Many of crypto funds and you know crypto people have big thesis around emerging market is the future, Asia is the future, India is the future, but no one's really spending time locally helping out those founders. And you know, I noticed a lot of the funds are just moving to like Puerto Rico, Miami, different places. But you know, we want to really scale in a way that we're scaling to where our founders are coming. And the, really, the kind of the source of those talent, and we think of that as you know in US uh, and also, but in you know Korea, Singapore, Vietnam, and India. And so last year we you know scaled our India team to uh, four people, local hires in Bangalore, and you know we are scaling our team in Singapore uh, and also in US because we are seeing so many of these Web two funders coming into Web three space, and just being that kind of you know partner. Uh, helping from zero to one and being there understanding their culture understanding where they come from and understanding what kind of customers they're trying to target for example and you know that's how we started as well in in that you know for Terra's case like we knew korean market korean e-commerce and why this you know stable coin would matter for you know x's case we didn't really know about vietnam but by going to ho chi minh and spending you know many days with them uh, to really understand how they're approaching the market gave us more confidence to invest in what is now called play turn game when other people were skeptical about those markets and you know we were trying to do that in india and other regions uh, as a primary focus that's really interesting okay so scaling by expanding the number of people in different geographies that are kind of experts in that geography i, th- I think that that makes a ton of sense 
And uh, are there any other, like, um, I mean, obviously, I mean, you guys are just absolutely crushing it, but are there any other, um, yeah, like in terms of operation, like, like how, how is this happening? Because, for example, the team in India, you have four people there, and yeah. are they kind of going off on their own and searching for deals and searching for entrepreneurs and talking to people? Or, or how does that, like, are they, you know, how, how does that function? Yeah. Um, so how this initially started was uh, we had Tak, uh, who was our venture partner for the past years. Um, and he has lived in Bangalore, India for nine years. And he was our kind of trusted partner for India market to learn more about just general anything. And, you know, through him, we were able to invest in several different, you know, Indian startups. Uh, and, you know, we experienced how to work with them, you know, how to work with Tak. And, you know, through that, we were comfortable now um, that maybe we should, you know, do something more, you know, um, explicit in India like by building a team and by building a dedicated fund. So uh, we are launching a dedicated India uh, seed fund called Hash Immersion uh, with Tak as a head of India and, you know, uh, four people um uh, uh, three people, so Rohit, uh, Albin, and Shubham working with them uh, as a, a team on the ground. And, you know, Albin comes from legal background and others come from tech and startup background, being really on the ground, you know, meeting with the local founders, trying to get into space, doing university relations on working with students that are trying to come into Web3 space. And a lot of these things are something that I cannot do or anyone at Hash cannot really do um, just with the thesis that India will be big. But you really got to be on the ground to work with them and understand. So we're giving them as much of autonomy as possible by trusting the team. But obviously, we come with more of a crypto native and global experience. So we communicate with them on a daily basis um, to share different notes. And also, we learn from them on the market as well. Incredible. Okay, so what are some, and this is a very broad question, but what are some interesting insights that you, you've you discovered while just operating? Because you guys have just so much experience and in so many different regions and so many different kind of protocols and business lines and whatnot. So what are some like cool or interesting, I don't know, insights that you've gained? And then looking forward, you know, what are some cool and interesting things that you think are coming down the pipeline that not many people are talking about today? Hmm. Um, I don't know if he had like particularly like one <laughs> cool insight. Uh, but I think it's been more about um, just keeping our, uh, um, you know, you know, we just listen uh, and iterate a lot because, um, you know, as a fund, you know, we had many different pieces <laughs> along the way in investing the space and building team, and we were wrong most of the time, and uh, we don't try to be smarter than our founders. Um, founders are, I, I think of them as a professors and I think that's the best, uh, part about crypto, I think, because, um, you know, like robotics that I studied in school, um, a lot of research and innovation happens in the research labs and universities and the founders go out and use those researches to commercialize it and build business. Uh, but in crypto, uh, these founders are the ones that are researching and they're like the only one in pioneering that category, I think. So they're kind of professors and founder in a way. And as an investor, you're having that front row seat to learn and you know, work with them along the way of that research, whether that's DeFi protocol or gaming or new token mechanism or you know go-to-market strategy in crypto. Uh, so we are structuring our fund and our team mindset in a way that we are very open to listen and just iterate fast to learn more about the market rather than be too stubborn about certain theses. Obviously there are like overall overarching like macro thesis around like crypto will be, you know, the you know mainstream, you know, blockchain will be like the web three new paradigm shift in the internet, all that. But the when it happens, how it happens and you know what kind of specific technology is needed, we you know do it through our founders and iterate fast. And I think that's why we think of um, our founders, like a lot of times, you know, people ask like, why do you look at when you invest in, you know, these good teams? You know, we usually look at founder community feed, um, kind of like how in Web2 and, you know, Silicon Valley, they talk about like a founder 
product fit. You know, I think crypto founder community fit is really important because um, these founders are now required to build beyond product. They're required to build this community. And what it means is that you got to suggest, continuously suggest these great new calibrated vision around what this technology will go and what this product will go. And you're building this following and you know, participants and contributors to join that journey. And I think it's the same thing for you know projects, but also like funds in like how we build you know hashed. In that, you know, if you have this vision and we continuously iterate on it, but you know, we continue to bring this community as part of our vision in the, inside Hash, whether that's our founders that we invest or whether these are employees or these are new leaders expanding into like new regions like India and Singapore, you know, it all, you know, comes to the same thing in like kind of that community fit. And that's exactly the reason why like, uh, you know, we don't call Hash as like Hash Ventures or Hash Capital, but we just keep it at Hash because, you know, we want to be seen as just that kind of platform brand like a startup rather than as like a VC, which I think limits a lot of the work that we do. I love that. Amazing. All right. I have another very broad one. Actually, a, a few broad ones for you. What excites <laughs> you most about NFTs? Yeah. Um, so I think um, the best experience I had about NFT was kind of sense of connection uh, with other people, you know, like, you know, like arts, I think same thing or whatever hobby that you have, right? You know, it's an instant connector with other people on like, hey, I love tennis. And they're like, oh, I play tennis every week. And we just start jamming and hanging out and these. And I think NFT has become kind of that toy for many people in that, you know, yeah, hey, I have a punk or I have BIC or I have this certain kind of niche NFT project. But when you meet with other people or a community member that are as passionate about that, you know, that just makes in instant you know connection with you that that's the person that you want to hang out with and learn more about and i think that aspect is really cool um on you know how, what nft is doing in this industry and i think it was same thing in crypto as well like i think crypto is inherently social and in that it creates a lot of kind of virality and the volatility of prices or the content itself but nft makes it a little bit more direct in that kind of social setting. And so that's what I like the most. And I think of NFT as not the destination of like something that you drop and done, but it's really the enabler of building something bigger beyond NFT, uh, whether that's a community or game or metaverse or brand, you know, it really creates that power, I think. Awesome. Okay, so you, you said metaverse. What is the metaverse? I feel like last year, 2021, Everyone was talking about metaverse. It was like <laughs> yeah. just out, out of the blue. It's like, what yeah. is that? Um, I, I think my metaverse thesis is kind of similar to what Web three is than many people think of metaverse. Because um, I, I feel like many of the metaverse apps or games that people talk about or mention in media are actually uh, microverses. And what I mean by microverses is that it's limited and bounded by certain parameters. And, you know, when we see these games that, you know, that look like a nice rendering VR experience, like metaverse, you know, I, I think of them as kind of like a going to a amusement park, like Disneyland, in that you go in and, you know, you don't really get to change anything. You pay to it enter and then you do like these kind of i guess almost like in-app purchases you pay different stores within amusement park to you know get food or hang out experience something and maybe make friends uh but when you come out you don't really own anything about the amusement park and then you don't really get to say anything about the feedback they wouldn't really change anything based on your feedback uh and i think that's the status of the game today but what i expect from metaverse games is that kind of like how Axie has grown beyond their initial idea, you know, Metaverse should really be meta in that it's, you know, permissionless, limitless in terms of how it can grow. And what it means is the participants and the users that come to that Metaverse game or whatever should be the owners and have that governance power to steer the way that this game goes. And it's composable enough with other, you know, verses that, 
you know, microverses or other things that, you know, you can do other works together. And, you know, kind of like how Axie grew initially as a game that you fight, but it has grown into like scholarship model, you know, based on the community needs and the owners that own token. And then there was demand for building like a neo bank uh, in, you know, Philippine because so many of these uh, participants had more networks in metaverse, uh, digital manner in NFT and crypto assets than what they own in traditional you know, finance in their real world. And actually saw a need to build some form of off-ramp or like new bank for these users. And you know they've been working on different ways to steer that direction of adding value to this community. And I think that's how I kind of see Metaverse in that, you know, kind of like how Web3 has grown uh, based on that this is a permissionless and you own and you can contribute and you can govern the direction you know i see metaverse as that direction rather than like metaverse is like the the fancy vr or fancy rendering or like these effects it's really the how these games get built from the bottom up all right five ten years from now big grand vision what are you working on what are you what are you yeah what are you doing in five ten years from now and what, what do you want to be accomplishing um I don't know. <laughs> Ten years ago, I was just starting robotics in school. Uh, didn't even know about crypto's existence. So um, that's a, I think, big long time. Uh, but what I really want to focus on is continuing to build my community, um, whether that's around you know hash or our founders. Um, I just love being part of these fast moving, passionate community. And I want to be part of those community until I die. And, you know, I think that will keep me motivated to continue to work hard and add value. And, you know, this, this may not even be crypto or, you know, maybe we wouldn't even use the term crypto or NFT by then. And, you know, just continuing to work with the people uh, that are, you know, building. Amazing. All right, Beck, are you ready for the closing questions? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. What is your single favorite NFT that you own? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it has to be um, uh, the, so my ex-colleague uh, is Jinu and Kenny and Dan uh, from Hash. And they started this uh, NFT project uh, called Off Life. And they just this, this, uh, dropped with the, uh, uh, artist called Misang uh, doing the ghost collection. Um, so that was quite meaningful for me uh, because, you know, it, it's uh, first, I guess, collection that someone I knew directly that have worked together has built. And just seeing that kind of community grow uh, was really meaningful for me. Love it. All right. What is your most controversial thought relating to crypto or NFTs? Ah, uh, mm... I feel like everything we do is controversial. <laughs> uh, um, I think there's too much supply of these NFTs right now without thinking about uh, uh, what to do with them. And many people are thinking about too shallow use case of utility or certain benefits. and many of these NFTs will go and die uh, because they're not sustainable. Um, I often use analogy of uh, buying certain NFT as following someone, like new subscription on YouTube. And I would subscribe to someone based on not just one video. If it's fun, I would enjoy it and just pass. But to get me to subscription, I would have to check if that person has enough following or you know, can, looks, they, I can expect them to continue to build these new quality contents in a regular cadence. And I'm not seeing that in most of the NFT projects and the ecosystem and seeing NFT as destination. And I think many of these NFTs will kind of die out and uh, become kind of a continuously lower floor price. Uh, and, you know, the concept change around how to become that kind of like how youtubers like now the new age of youtubers are becoming more serious as like a job and like a actual like full-time thing you know i think nfts will see that kind of transition of people who are trying to do nft down the line um, to see it as like more of a sustainable way to build their own content and you know continue to build 
community rather than as a job. Love that again. All right, if you could snap your fingers and instantly change or improve one thing in the crypto slash NFT ecosystem, what would it be? I think it would be uh, scalability. <laughs> um, I, I just want to see a world where there's just infinite like scalability and like no cost of the gas and everything and how fast innovation could happen in crypto world. I, I think the crypto industry still has a lot of these technical hurdles that slow down the innovation, but there's so many cool ideas that are ready to be implemented. And, you know, I just want to see a world that happens. Yeah. Love it. All right. Who is someone that you look up to and why? Um, I think, I think it's still, still Simon at, uh, you know, Hash, you know, like he's the one that kind of got me into crypto and he's just, yeah, still kind of crazy about crypto. Like, you know, once you become, you know, crypto billionaire, uh, it's, I think many times, you know, people find it hard to focus or hard to be hands-on. Um, but, you know, just seeing how crazy that person is with the vision of, of making crypto massively adopted um, keeps everyone, you know, uh, you know, kind of motivated, I think, in the team. Amazing. All right, last question. Where do you see the NFT ecosystem in three years? Um, we just don't use the world NFT anymore in three years that this is just part of the experience that any kind of apps or services or community has it as a part of. Um, for example, like in Korea, when you watch movie, uh, theater started giving out NFT as a gift. You know, it's very close to the life of everyone. And I think that's going to start um, very fast along the, in the down the line of three years. Yeah. Amazing. Wait, so so wait, theaters, movie theaters are giving away NFTs today? Yeah, I saw these like uh, postings where like, you know, you've, if you watch movie and post it on your social media, they give you MetaCon's NFT. <laughs> That's so, so cool. And, and, you know, some part of the world, maybe they'd be like, what is NFT? You know, how do I get it? But in Korea, it's like, oh, cool. I will just do it and just get it. Right. So it, it's already part of that kind of flow of you know how they live right yeah that's amazing that's so yeah. freaking cool amazing awesome well back this was just an absolutely insane conversation i i still cannot believe that you guys have taken 700k turned it into what four four billion like that is just incredible and i really love the way that you guys really dive deep with founders and, and truly add value and everything that you're doing and building now with unopened and all these kind of other additional kind of sub sub sectors or sub businesses within hashed is incredible if people want to find out more about yourself, find out more about Hashed, where should they go? What should they do? Yeah, um, we are Hashed under dash um, official on Twitter. And, you know, my Twitter is also just my full name, uh, back Kim Kim. So, yeah, you can just reach me via DM and always open for a chat. Amazing. Beck, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andrew. Hey everyone, stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.